Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. There are people that can tell you the right information, but they live in a way that their life is disqualified, right? There are people that are disqualified even to speak to other people because of their life. I know, I know pastors that have fallen and sinned. They still know the word. They still have truth. But their lifestyle has disqualified them. People are not trying to hear them. Your, your truth is irrelevant now. I would challenge all you parents, be careful that you don't disqualify yourself to your own kids. Has anyone ever told you, do as I say, not as I do? How often do you earnestly listen to them and take their advice? It's hard to listen to someone when you know the words that pour out of their mouth don't line up with their actions. Pastor Bill reminds us today that when we live our lives hypocritically, our words hold no weight. They mean nothing. Don't be one of those people. Mull over your words. Think about your actions. You want to live in such a way as to be an example for anyone you know. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 9 as he continues his message, Run, Fight, Win. Now, this is what I imagine, right? Imagine the person that just has all these, they live so sacrificially for God that in the next scene realm, they have all these crowns, lay at his feet and give it to him. And imagine the person that's standing there with no crowns. I, I mean, he loves the Lord too. I just don't have nothing to show for because I live so selfish. I live such a carnal, wicked, you know, just a, a such a carnal, self-centered existence. I don't have that to offer you, right? You can never get a crown once you're in heaven. You can't get them then. You either got them. Now, I wonder, do you get them back? And then every time it works, you get to do it again, do it again, do it again. Because the crown doesn't go away. It's not like it's forever. Forever, that's what you have. I just, I, I, if I could challenge us to think about the next realm. I know some people don't, they don't like to think about that. It's like, well, I, you know, I'm, I'm living life right now. But you're not going to be here that long. In comparison to eternity, if you live to be 100, which most of you won't. But if you live to be 100, that's a drop in the bucket to eternity. Eternity is forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. People that died 200 years ago, they still in heaven or, or, or hell. They're where they are and it's just time is just rolling, right? You know, it's, it's going to be forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. It's never going to run out. And you have every day on earth opportunity to sow into that life, to sow into eternity. All kind of different ways. When you share with the poor, you're, you're sowing into eternity. When you minister the gospel, you're sowing into eternity. When you, as you minister to people in need around you, you're sowing. There's so many things you can do to sow into eternity. We want to be sowing into eternity. We want to be living. I'm living life right now, but I want to live this life with the next life in mind so I don't miss nothing. So he who competes for the prize is temperate in all things, even though they do it to obtain a perishable crown. We do it for an imperishable one. Verse 26. Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty. Right. Paul says, I'm not running with uncertainty. I'm not out here just meandering. I got specific focus and purpose. So with that, right, is there a sense of focus and purpose to your life? Do you know what your lane is? Uh, I know my lane is God called me to ministry. God called me to pastoral ministry. This is my lane. I should be studying. I should be praying. I should be teaching. I should be ministering to people. I should be looking out for people's spiritual well-being. That's what I'm, that's my lane. That's what I'm called to do. What's your lane? What's your specific focus. What's God given you? What part of the body of Christ are you? Are you a prayer warrior? Are you someone that is teaching? Are you someone that's giving? Are you someone that's serving and helping and, and, tan and just practical ways? We all have a part. Everybody has a part. 
and every part matters, right? There isn't one part greater than the other. I'm up front. I'm not greater than anybody here. I'm not greater than the people that set up earlier. I'm not greater than the people that clean the restrooms. I'm not greater than the women that are teaching our kids right now. We all equally are doing our part and everybody's in their lane and everybody's doing their part. And so I'm asking everybody here, do you know what your lane is? What's your area of focus? What, what gifts has God given you? What things has God spoken to you about? Because that's what you want to be focused on, right? He says, therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty, right? Paul said, I'm not just going around just trying this and trying that all uncertain. There's a focus. I know what I'm doing. I'm, I'm going to be right here doing this thing. What's your lane? What's your focus? So that you're not out here with uncertainty, that you're walking with a sense of focus. My focus is that someone pinned you down and say, hey, what's your, what's your calling? What's God called you to do in your time and space on earth? We should have an answer for that. My, my calling is this thing right here. God uses me. And, and everybody's calling is not going to be ministry like what I do. The guy that led me to Christ, if I had to pin down, like, man, what's his calling? Him and his wife, everywhere that they move, people get saved. They moved in my apartment building when I was in Hawthorne. I got saved. They got, you know, he got his job. They bought their first house out in Corona. And I went out there with him and they were leading neighbors to the Lord. Then they got a second house in Corona, leading new neighbors to the Lord. Then they got a third. I said, God, keep blessing y'all with bigger houses so y'all can minister to another neighborhood. I, I really believe that. You know, they, they, now they got a they, they could be at our church. So they got six kids. Is it six? Yeah, they they they, they multiply, you know, so um, so they, they expanding and growing. But everywhere they go, people get saved. And I'm like, he's always wondering if, if he's supposed to be doing church ministry. I'm like, y'all doing pretty good, just like y'all do everywhere y'all go. All the kids are on sports teams, people getting saved. You know, y'all are a great example, a great witness. That might just be his lane, you know, where God's called him. He called me to this, called him to that. And so every ministry is not the same, but do you have a lane? Do you have a sense of this is what I'm doing with my life that matters beyond this life? What is it? Write it down. Be faithful to it. Uh, work hard at it. Get better at it. Grow in it. It's not something, any, any, any area of gifting or calling, you get better at it as you put focus upon it. I know my calling is to teach and to be, a, I got to work on that. I'm, I'm, I'm always trying to be better at what I do. I'm not done yet. There's always room for improvement. I can be better at a lot of different things. So I'm growing and I'm learning and I won't stop till I get to heaven. Whatever you call to do, right? Like an athlete that's trying to win, you got to be working at it, growing in it. You can't be content. You can't be complacent. You can't be sitting around thinking that you're going to go off of your talent. You want to grow in your area. Be excellent in that thing that God gave you to do for him. Amen. Verse 26 Paul says, again, therefore, I run thus not with uncertainty. Now he kind of changes the analogy to a fight. He says, thus, I fight not as one who beats the air. Anybody here that is been involved in any kind of fight sport, boxing, martial arts or whatever, you know, you'll see guys shadow boxing in their little videos. But if that's if all you do is shadow boxing, you get in a real fight, you're getting beat up. You know, the air don't hit back. The air don't give resistance. You don't build up strength hitting the air. You could do that as just, a, you know, I'm just, whoo, just trying to get my, get my wing going. But that's all you're doing is beating the air. You're going to get beat up when you get in a real fight. You cannot train for a real fight beating the air. And so he says, look, I, I, I train. I, said, I fight, he says, not as one who beats the air. I'm not just out here trying to, you know, just, just beating, out, beating the air, trying to, you know, you know I, I, I train. I actually get ready for this thing. I've had, you know, Harmony and BJ both been in martial arts. And, and, and as they're in there, you know, you go to some schools for martial arts and they're so careful with the kids. And then the kids never get hit. They never hit nobody, just hit bags. 
When you take those kids to a tournament, guess what happens? They get hit for the first time by the kid that's at the school where they actually hit and they be out there crying. So I wouldn't let my kid go to a school where it's like they don't never you never had a fight. Now you're going to have a fight. You got to train. If you, you got to get hit. You got to get beat up. Got somebody go upside your head. You got to see what it feels like and how to prepare for it and everything else. That's how you prepare for that. So what is what do we take from that in a spiritual battle? Some people try to live so cautious in their spiritual life that, that you're trying to make sure nothing bad happens to you. Going out there and getting a fight. Going out there and, and getting a battle. If you, I'm studying the word. I got to go out there and preach it. Right. If I'm learning how I know how to share the gospel, I got to go out and preach the gospel. I got to be willing to go at times in the difficult scenarios and just say, God, I'm out here in your name. So whatever happens, happens. Right. I'm 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 with you. Right. I can't be. We go out and do different kind of ministry. You can't be afraid. You can't go out and be worried about yourself. Right. When I look at the men, men of God, men in the word, I don't see guys that were worried about themselves. They were out there ministering to other people, even if it meant they were at risk a little bit. Right. If I'm I'm I'm, I'm never really at risk. Right. The child of God, nothing can happen to me that doesn't pass by God. And if something's going to happen to me, it can happen to me while I'm doing nothing. Or it can happen to me while I'm out there serving. Now, check this out. If I happen to go through some adversity in the midst of my service, there goes a reward. Where Jesus said, look, rejoice when, when men persecute you, revile you, and do all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. He says, rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. Yahoo. So even when it's bad, it's good. For the believer. So I don't want to be living in such a way where I'm trying to avoid a little persecution, avoid, you know, well, well, this is a dangerous area. And if you go out here to preach the gospel, somebody might beat you. They might beat you up, but they might get saved. They might hear you. I've learned that. You know, you look at you look at areas and people where you might look and be like, man, this could go bad. But you're looking at the people and their souls out there. And God's like, but I love them. I, I need a spokesman who will talk to them. We got to be those people that will go and talk to people for his, for his namesake. So he says, I, I don't fight as one who beats the air. Paul's out. I'm, I'm preparing for real. Um, there's genuine preparation. Now, last verse is 27. And I got some scriptures I want to give you guys. He says, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. Least when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Paul said, look, the reason I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection is this. Like, I don't want to be the guy that preached to everybody else. And then I was disqualified myself. Now, Paul, when he says disqualified, he's not talking about loss of his salvation. He's talking about loss of his reward. Right. There are people that can tell you the right information, but they live in a way that their life is disqualified. Right. There are people that are disqualified even to speak to other people because of their life. I know I know pastors that have fallen in sin. They still know the word. They still have truth, but their lifestyle has disqualified them. People are not trying to hear them. Your truth is irrelevant now. I would challenge all you parents, be careful that you don't disqualify yourself to your own kids because nobody has a closer seat up on your life for real than your kids do. So you don't want to be preaching one message and sharing one thing and they at home like, Man, you ain't about that life. You be here cussing and fussing and tearing up and then you go there talking about praise Jesus. You know, we need to be living it out for real. My kids, I know my kids are watching. They're watching everything. They're listening. They're observing. And it comes out. I, I can't afford to be disqualified to speak to my kids. I can't afford it. It's just too much at stake. Too much to lose for me. I will tell you that both of my parents, they weren't believers. And they, they both struggled with addiction in different ways. 
And uh, one of my parents' addiction was alcohol, and that was their struggle. And I remember when I was in high school and I started drinking, and I got caught drinking, and they were like, you don't do that. Yeah. I'm, can I be real and tell you that I was like, I, I, you know, I got my first one here, right? You know, your stuff. I went in your stuff. You know, they, they couldn't tell me no. I, and, and even when I, I remember I got caught drinking and driving and they called me on the car before. And I'm like, you, you did it. You crashed. How are you going to tell me? I was, you can't tell. Me. I couldn't hear it from them. I couldn't hear it whatsoever. <laughs> even though it was true what they were saying, even though it would have been beneficial had I listened to it, I couldn't hear it. Because their life was just had muted out all their truth, right? Parents, don't let your life mute out your truth because you have things to share with your kids that are invaluable. They need to be able to respect you, hear you, listen to you. So live in such a way that your behavior doesn't disqualify you from being hurt. Paul said, the reason I'm disciplining myself, beat my body into subjection, right? So I don't have him preach to others. I don't want to become disqualified myself. Right now, this is the thing when we're not saved, we're we're made up of three. We're body, soul and spirit. You know, we made the image of God, God of the Trinity, God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy Spirit. You are body, soul and spirit. Before you got saved, the way it went was there was a body, the soul and the spirit was way down on the bottom. You were spiritually dead. If you're writing notes, you can write down Ephesians 2.12 tells us that before we came to Christ, we were we were spiritually dead. Uh, we were not alive. So. When you are not a believer, your body, appetites, desires, that's what runs the show. Your body's like, I want that. I want some of that. I want to eat that, drink that, sex with that. Whoop, whoop. You know, your body, appetites run your life. Your soul down here, you may have a little bit of conscience left or whatever. The spirit is irrelevant. It's just not, a, you're spiritually dead at that point in time. When you get born again, you get born again of the what? Of the spirit. So now it flips around. Now you're still body, soul, and spirit, but the spirit of God is supposed to be running the show. So your spirit, soul, and body. The body is way down here in the basement. So your spirit determines everybody else's, you know, function, everybody else, what everybody else does. That's how it's supposed to be for the Christian. But some Christians get it flipped back around. Go back to that old life. And you're you're living very, very soulish, very, very fleshly. That's what we call it. You being you're in the flesh. What's that mean? That means that your flesh is running the show. I know the spirit of God is saying, don't talk like that. Don't behave like that. Don't go there. Don't do that. But your, your, your flesh is running your show. So you do, you're going there, talking like that and doing those things. But we want it to be this way where the spirit of God is in control. Where the spirit is saying, I, I want, man, get up and read your Bible. I need, I need some word this morning. You know, you put the turn that station off, man. Get some worship on in here. I want to be uplifted. I want to glorify. I want to sing to the Lord this morning. Man, go love on that person. Share this where the spirit is running the show and your body is having to fall in line. Spirit said, go. Body, get up. We're going to go. You know, the body don't get to, to tell you, what can you do if you find that, man, you know, I'm a Christian and the spirit is there, but he, he weak. You know, you got the spirit of God in there. He don't shriveled up. He ain't worked out in years. And the flesh is on swole, just, just deboing, you, you know, the spirit, just doing whatever it want to do. How do, you, how do you bring that thing back around? One thing you can do um, that will help. We recently did a fast. And for you guys that participated in that fast with us, we fasted from Wednesday to Saturday when we fed the people over there. And one way that you put your flesh back in its place, one practice that helps us when the Bible tells us, why, why do we fast? One of the reasons we fast is because it sets the order back up, right? Your appetite, your body appetite is natural. God gave it to you. So in order for you to live, you got to be hungry. So you eat. Now, when you say I'm a fast for a day or two or three or whatever, 
I'm gonna tell my body no. When my body says, "Hey, it's breakfast time, man," I'm saying, "No, no, no." Me and the spirit are taking time off for you, so we're gonna fast and pray. We're not eating breakfast. We're gonna pray and read this morning. Hey, it's lunch time. We, we're gonna pray and read again. We're doing this all day, man. And your flesh is like, "Hey, you know, hey, man, give me what I want." And your spirit is like, "No," for the purpose of spiritual depth, growth, pursuit of God. I'm putting you. In, I'm putting you down today. I'm just saying, no, no, not today. You'll wait. I'll tell you when you're going to eat. And, you know, that's one of the benefits of setting aside periods of time to fast. The flesh is like, after a while, he falls into his falls into his place. For you guys that don't spank your kids, this is a great analogy. Hear me out. For you parents that don't discipline your kids, they, they'll run you. But they're too little to run you. But they'll run you. I've seen a little three-year-old run a grown woman. You know? No! And you're looking and it, it, it he said no and he's not going I mean you could just snatch him up you could lift him over like that and he would go but he said no and he's not going that's y'all know that's wrong right little 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 Jimmy little whatever they are they need, they just need a quick whooping and and you'd be amazed when, when you see kids that are properly disciplined and mom or dad says hey cut that out you know what they do okay cut that out when you got a kid that's properly disciplined at home and another adult says, I'm going to tell your mom. No, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, miss. I'm not going to do it anymore. <laughs> I know you get whoopings. I know mom and dad are handling their business, right? That kid is now in his proper place under, in submission to those that are over them. That's the way it's supposed to be. It's inappropriate for a three, four-year-old to be running the show. That's inappropriate. That's, that's wrong because they don't know nothing yet. They don't know nothing but what they want. And so that's bad for them, bad for you. And it means that you ain't obeying God's word that says the, you know, spirit of rod spoil the child. You know, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of correction is driving far from them. that is for free for any parent that don't discipline you. You're, you're wrong. You're damaging your kids. The Bible says if you don't discipline your kids, you hate them. You hate them. That that's, you know, you, I, you, all those verses are in the Proverbs. You can look them up later. So. That's out of order, right? It's the same way when you're a child of God and the spirit of God is living in you. It's, it's just as out of place when your flesh is running your show. Because anybody that know the word know that that's not how you're supposed to deal with your, that's not how you're supposed to do that. But the flesh is in control. So you want to confess if that's the case and you want to repent if that's the case. And if that's an ongoing battle, um, you might want to set aside some time to fast and pray that God would help set things back in their proper order. Uh, but don't be okay with letting the, the flesh run your whole life when you've been born again of the spirit of God. You're a spiritual being. And God has placed within every spiritual being all the power that you need to be victorious over your flesh. And so Paul says, look, in the analogy, I discipline my body. I bring it into subjection. I mean, the, 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 when he says the word discipline, it, if you look it up in the Greek, it means to give a black eye. I mean, he beats it into subjection. I mean, Paul's, I, I'm, 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 I'm rough with this thing. I put my body in its place so that after I preach to other people, I wouldn't be disqualified. It's too, I can't afford to be DQ'd. Uh, too much riding on this. I, 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 want, I want my full reward when I get there, and I don't want to stumble other people along the way. Too much at stake for me to treat this lightly. And you need to know that there's too much at stake for you to treat it lightly, for you to treat your walk with the Lord and all those things lightly, you, you want to you treat them with some, some brevity, some heaviness. I want to I just give you a few verses. Write them in your notes. I'm going to read them in closing, and then we're going to pray. Paul, um, and it, it, most of these letters are from Paul as he was ministering to other people about 
in this, about running their race. In Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, write that verse down. Paul said, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, said, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Why? So that we can run the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Real quick on that. If there's weights and sins, right? Weights are not a sin, but they're things that are slowing you down in the race. And sin is obvious. It's a sin. Weights and sins will slow you down. He says, look, lay aside. If you have sin in your life that's slowing you down, lay it aside. And if there's some weight, some things that are not necessarily sin, but they're slowing you down in your race, then lay those things aside. Why? So that you can run your race. God put you in a race. And he gave us a clue and he gave us a hint. How do I run my race? What do I focus on? Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher. Keep your eyes on the Lord. That's why you need to have your time in the word on a daily basis. Keep your eyes on him. That'll help you run your race the right way. Next one is just two, two more verses. Write down Acts chapter 20, verse 24. Paul speaking here. As he was enduring some hardship, trials, and even they were telling him about difficult things that come. Paul said in Acts 20, verse 24, none of these things move me, nor do I count my life as dear to myself. Why? That I may run my race with joy in the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus Christ to testify the gospel, the grace of God. Paul says, look, I want to finish my race with joy. I used to pair this verse up with a video I had found. Uh, there was a video of these, um, these people that, what, are they, what do you call the people that, uh, cyclists? And they were racing. And there was a guy that had been trailing. So he was in second place the whole race, trailing. And the first place guy was so far ahead of him, there was no chance that he was getting first place. But he kept in the race the whole time. As they came down the final stretch, the guy that was in first place, before he came to the finish line, raised his hands on a cycle. And as he raised his hands, the bike went, the bike went, whoop, 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 it wobbled. And it, it wobbled till he fell off. And the guy that had been in second the whole time blazed by him. And this is what the video catches. The guy that's blazing by him, when you see his face, there is so much joy on the face of a man that thought he was getting second. All, I mean, they've been trailing for all miles and miles and miles. They've been looking at this guy's backside. And now he's about to run in and get first place at the very end. You can see the joy on his face. But you know what you saw on the other guy as he picked his bike up and stumbled across like this? You saw, I mean, you know he's in second place, which is a win for most people. You saw the, the terror of defeat at he, he, he celebrated early and he lost. And Paul said, look, I want to finish my race with joy. And how does he do it? None of these things move me. Nothing's going to move me off my mark. I don't count my life as dear to myself. I'm not living for me. I'm not, I'm not trying to please me. I'm living for the Lord. I'm not living my life for myself. I'm, I'm, I'm going to stay in the race that God has given me to do. Last verse. And this is what I pray will be true for all of us. That we'll all get to this place at the end of our race. Paul, at the end of his life, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. Paul says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And it says, and not to me only, but all those that love his appearing. Right? How awesome is it to be at the end of your life and be able to say, I'm done. Everything God gave me to do, I did that. I finished my race. I fought the good fight. I finished my race. Now I'm looking forward to my reward and I'm looking forward. Now, Paul had to die to get to his reward. They were going to kill him. He was in prison when he wrote this. But I want you to hear a man that says, I finished doing everything God gave me to do. 
May that be true, family, for every single one of us. May you be aware of what God gave you to do. May you discipline yourself to do what God gave you to do. And may each one of us get to the end of this life knowing that we completed that which God gave us to do. You've been listening to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. Today's message from the book of 1 Corinthians is available to listen to again on our website. Just visit calvaryinglewood.org and click on media. Or you can download our mobile app to listen to more teachings. You'll find a link on our website. You can also search for Calvary Chapel Inglewood in your app store. If you're looking for a place to connect this weekend, we'd love for you to join us for church. Look on our website for the latest times and location information. We're a group of people who love to learn from God's Word and be together as the family of God. Again, our website is CalvaryInglewood.org. As we looked into the book of 1 Corinthians, accountability and helping other believers strive for purity and commitment to God are topics that come to the surface. Although these things aren't always fun or easy, they're an incredible blessing to have in your life and in your church. So look to be involved and accountable wherever you're plugged in with other believers. If you notice that this ministry has been a blessing, even when it's convicted your heart in certain ways, we're glad that we can be a part of that. Would you be praying for a transforming word? As the messages go out, many listeners may be hearing about the Lord for the very first time. We ask that you pray for ears to be opened, hearts to be softened, and for lives to be changed. That's all we have time for today. Join Pastor Bill again for another edition of A Transforming Word.